Hey everybody, welcome to Random Musings from the Clinical Trials Guru. I really want to thank you for listening. If you feel compelled to do so, make sure you subscribe, uh, leave a review, comment, share, whatever you feel like doing. Help me out trying to grow this podcast, trying to continuously deliver value. A couple of things before we get into the show, check out the links in the show notes to my CRA Academy my CRC Academy, both of them doing very well as far as getting people jobs in the marketplace. Check those out. Also, if you need help getting studies for your site or anything else, or even launching a site, basically any help for your site, we have a low monthly fee consulting service where we have helped many clients become and continue to be successful site owners through our background efforts of business development and support staff text me 949-415-6256 please check out the links in the show notes as well for the book the comprehensive guide to clinical research it's been selling really well getting very well received by the community thank you guys so much for that also check out the youtube member page join this channel to get perks that's my youtube uh, membership it's 10 bucks a month you get a monthly mastermind exclusively it's a zoom call every month with other youtube members uh, you also get weekly videos exclusive to the youtube members on how to use social media to improve your opportunities in life sciences so check that out really means a lot to me and thank you so much again for listening and enjoy the show all right guru nation thank you so much for watching it really means a lot to me make sure you like subscribe comment share look i've haven't done a reaction video i don't think ever no i take that back i have done a reaction video once on my channel i remember it was chris and i reacting to palantir technologies and how palantir was getting into clinical research well you know, it's not like I seek to do these kind of videos, but I think they're kind of fun. And you know what? This person on LinkedIn actually reached out to me and said, hey, could you please have a look at this and make a video giving your view on it if you haven't seen it? So, no, I haven't seen it. Honestly, I have no idea what it's about. I'm going like I did not prepare for this whatsoever. I know it's about clinical trials. I see it's fairly popular. It's from 2016, 151,000 views. I don't know anything else about it. So, and I'm not a huge fan of TED Talks either. I think that, well, I don't want to get into that. Uh, <laughs> they used to be great, and I think that that brand did get diluted. But you can argue that they're giving more people platforms, which, okay, fine. Um, that being said, I don't know anything about this TED Talk. I don't know anything about the speaker, Sealy Lane. I don't know anything about it, but I'm willing to react, and I'm going to give you my honest take on it, and I'm going to uh, pause as needed to give you my thoughts. So bear with me. Hopefully you like these kind of videos. If not, well, you're watching the wrong one. <laughs> What I'm about to tell you will shock you. It shocked me the first time I heard about it, and frankly, it still shocks me. When you go to a doctor and they prescribe you a medicine, you presume it's been tested. 
and we know everything there is to know about whether it works, right? Well, guess what? A lot of the time, that's just not the case. And this is because around half of the clinical trials that have been carried out on medicines that we use today have never published results. So this is in 2016, okay? People are saying this. There's a con strong contingency of people that, are, that feel this way about the COVID vaccine. I just wanted to put that out there. What she just said, yes, most study results don't publish. However, the FDA, most study results that don't get FDA approval don't publish. But studies that do get FDA approval, um, most of them do get published. But it doesn't even matter. It's irrelevant because the FDA doesn't use publishing data as criteria for whether they approve or reject the drug. So it's a little like so far what I'm hearing is um, there is truths about that, but it's not that we don't know. The FDA reviews the data from every single study. They don't rely on the publishing of the results. But let's let's continue. So we don't know what was found out about our medicines in around half of the biggest trials that have happened on them. Because clinical trials are those big tests where some people are given a new medicine and some other people are given a different medicine or no medicine at all to test whether the new medicine works and to see if it's safe. The results from those trials are then used by governments who have to decide whether to pay for the medicine, by regulators who decide whether to allow the medicine to be sold, by doctors deciding which medicine to give to their patients, by researchers deciding whether to do more research on that medicine, so if the results from half of these tests are missing, it means that these decision makers lack a huge amount of the information they need to make good decisions. I would say everyone except the FDA. So again, um, she's right about everything else. And it's the FDA, I think it was the FDA who took over that regulation of publishing study results. It's, it's required that results from all studies whether approved or rejected get posted i think maybe what she's referring to are studies that never finish and so the sponsor just cancels it midway through and says hey you know this this study has been terminated by sponsor so we're not going to publish results maybe there and maybe she has a point with the regulators the doctors but um the fda doesn't go by published results they go by the database of each study the finalized database so whether the drug company whether the sponsor decides to publish those on clinicaltrials.gov or not doesn't matter to the fda the fda is gonna see the data it means that doctor and by the way the fda can audit the data if they really want to know of the studies that have been terminated by sponsor also so they don't fda does not rely on these published results on clinicaltrials.gov the public does i agree with her there so have no way of knowing for sure that the medicines they're giving their patients are the best medicines and that they're not in fact doing harm here's an example a heart drug called lorcanide was tested in clinical trials in the 1980s the results of those trials showed that the patients given lorcanide were far more likely to die during the trial than the patients not given lorcanide. Those results weren't published. Not until 10 years later, 
And in those 10 years, doctors continue to prescribe medicines like Lorcanite to their patients. And it's been estimated that more than 100,000 people died as a result. So that's a big issue because the FDA, and that was in the 80s. So I wasn't in the industry in the 80s. The FDA is really strict. The last decade, they've been, like more often than not, they reject study based on safety or efficacy data. So if that indeed, and I haven't heard of that, so this I'm learning something here too. In this case, that's the FDA's fault. I mean, they're the ones who approved the drug, right? She's not talking about hundreds of thousand people that died in the trial. She's talking about hundreds of 100,000 people dying. Let's listen again. There was like a couple hundred probably dying in the trial. That's crazy to me if the FDA approved that one. Not until 10 years later. And in those 10 years, doctors continue to prescribe medicines like Lorcanite to their patients. And it's been estimated that more than 100,000 people died as a result. When clinical trial information is kept hidden, it means governments and regulators are at risk of making the wrong decisions. One regulator, for example, in the UK, recommended that the UK government buys a stock of a drug called Tamiflu on the basis of the results of clinical trials that it had seen. So the UK government went ahead and spent £480 million, that's nearly half a billion pounds, on this medicine. But then some researchers saw that the government had only seen the results from a small number of all the clinical trials that had happened on Tamiflu. They battled for years to get the results of all of those trials released. And when all the results were put together, it turned out that Tamiflu just wasn't that effective. That was half a billion pounds of government money wasted. And I think now, I didn't know about this either. This is a good video. You have to look at it through the lens of the regulators. Okay, If the regulators really wanted to, they can look at all those data. They can go, even if the study, they don't rely on the sponsors to publish the data. They can go audit the sponsor and audit any study. They can go audit any site for any reason they want to. So it's to me, it shows the inefficiency of government, particularly the FDA, or in this case, the United Kingdom regulators, right, the UK regulators, the inefficiencies. And that's what happens when you get so much compartmentalization and so much bureaucracy going on that there's no communication between the various departments. So the people tasked with approving Tamiflu and then are different department than the people who are tasked with purchasing Tamiflu. And they're different than probably the ones who are auditing some of the other studies on Tamiflu. So there's no communication here. To me, it's a lack of efficient communication amongst regulators, which still exists today. Um, that's never been government strong, strong suit. And here's another problem. When the results of trials aren't published, it means that researchers and doctors can't build on research that's already been done. So much knowledge about medicines and about diseases is generated in clinical trials. But if the results aren't shared, all of that knowledge is lost. And it means that clinical trials get repeated unnecessarily, wasting loads of money. They're very expensive to run and putting the people who... This is why, guys, if you're a research site or if you're somebody that works in the industry, you're always going to be in the man look. It's the inefficiency 
of the regulators. It's a very tough job to like what the FDA has to do is extremely difficult. And I mean, either you don't approve anything, right? Or you're going to have issues like this where lack of communication leads to unnecessary deaths or unnecessary AEs. I mean, we're dealing with this right now with vaccine. And I'm not trying to be controversial, but I mean, people are talking about this. This was 2016. People are talking about this very same thing now as it pertains to the COVID vaccines. Volunteer for the trials needlessly at risk. Now, now we're getting to the heart of why I really care about this. It's because of the people who volunteer for clinical trials. You know, clinical trials can't just happen. People have to volunteer to be part of them. Usually there's hundreds of people in a trial. Big trials can include thousands of people. These people are patients, mostly, who volunteer for the trials knowing that it might or might not help them personally to be part of it, but knowing that it will help other people in society in the future. The people who volunteer for clinical trials, you know, I think they're amazing. These people willingly and for the good of all of us, put themselves at risk because there's always some risk when you're testing something new. And they take a gamble because it might be the medicine they get in the trial is not as good as the medicine they would otherwise take. And they give up time, so much time, going to endless hospital and doctor's appointments as part of the trial, time they would probably prefer to be spending with their friends and families. So they put themselves at risk, they take a gamble and they give up their time and they do all this trusting that if something is uncovered about their condition or the medicine in the trial, that that will be shared with doctors and researchers who can take it and use it to make life better for people like them in the future. So when the results of half of all trials are kept hidden and the results are never used, what an enormous betrayal of these people's trust. If thousands of clinical trials have never published results, that's hundreds of thousands, probably millions of people whose trust has been betrayed. Yeah, so this is true. And there's no way you can argue from that perspective. And again, like it boils down to the sponsors because those drugs, the ones that don't get published, are likely to not be approved by the FDA, right? So they'll never make it to the general public but um, those trials are probably failures from the sponsors and on top of that um, it would been like to, to spend time and I've been on a clubhouse where I've talked to patients who have you know were upset because well there's one particular example I remember I was in a clubhouse this patient was upset that her husband volunteered for a cancer study and he died um, he died from the cancer. It wasn't from the study, but he died while in the study. And he was, she, the wife was talking about how he was trying to figure out like his own results, you know, how he was progressing. And he was trying to figure out which treatment arm he was on. And the site couldn't tell them because the site didn't know either. Remember, the sites are blinded. And the sponsor didn't have a way to do that for the patient with all this patient-centric talk they weren't able to do that so yeah it's really unfortunate for the patients however if you're a patient in a trial you'll know you'll know how you're feeling and in some studies 
it's open label in other studies uh sometimes the blind is can be broken at the end of the study i've i've been on studies at the site level where at the end of the trial they break the blind so that you can tell the patients what they were on and if they were doing well on the drug or if they were on the placebo they were enrolled into an open label extension study for the drug and i've seen compassionate use cases uh, for rare diseases, I've seen the sponsors give free drug to them in the clinical trials. So it's not all bad from sponsors, but yeah, in this case, she's right. Um, but you kind of know that's what you're getting into as a patient also. Now, you might be wondering, how do we know that clinical trials haven't published results? What do we know about this missing information? And the truth is, well, we'll never have an exact number of the clinical trials that never published results because there's no list of all trials that have happened that we can check against. But researchers have started to get a feel for the... So you can, you can look at what's going on now. You can look at what's been terminated. You can get a good idea, a great idea of the studies that are going on right now. If you just go, I'm not talking even about the past, just right now. If you go active not recruiting or active recruiting on clinicaltrials.gov, you'll see hundreds of thousands. Amount of missing information. A researcher looking into this, the first thing they would do is try and identify what trials have happened. To do that, they would go to a clinical trial register. These registers, they're online databases set up by governments, by the WHO, by universities, where clinical trial sponsors are encouraged to go and log details of trials they're running so that doctors and patients can see the trials are happening and maybe join them. So clinicaltrials.gov is not encouraged, it's mandatory. And from what I've seen, the lack of compliance is not listing the studies, it's keeping it updated and or publishing results, study results. So, once researchers have identified trials on a register, then they can follow those up. They search around. They look in medical journals or in reports from conferences or in other registers to try and see if they can find any results from that trial. Now, that's not easy to do. It's not easy to find clinical trial results. They could be in one of hundreds of different places. And it's not always easy, when you do find some results, to be sure they do actually match the trial you identified. It would take an eternity for a researcher to do that with the millions of clinical trials that are now on registers. So what researchers have started to do is to focus in on some subsets of trials. Like a researcher might look at all the trials done just on one certain drug, or all the trials done looking at a particular condition, or maybe all the trials. And that's how I tell you guys watching you need to be a researcher like these researchers are doing. You need to, if you want to level up your skills in a therapeutic indication, do what she just said. Look at clinicaltrials.gov for just hone in on one therapeutic condition and just read. There's results out there. There's tons of results. <laughs> Despite what she's saying, you can definitely educate yourself. That happened in one year in a particular country. Hundreds of pieces of research like those have happened now, each looking at a small piece of the puzzle. And they, quite consistently, are showing that half of the body of clinical trials have never published results. And researchers have begun to look, too, at the kind of results that do and don't get published. 
And it looks like there are a lot more results from trials which show that a medicine works, published, than trials which show that a medicine doesn't work. And now we know that if that trials, which gave a so-called positive result, are twice as likely to have published results than trials which gave a negative result. True, but the data is, that's also a misleading stat because if the FDA reject that trial from in phase two, let's say they're like, no, nah, this is not going to work. We're not going to go to phase three. Uh, or if it's phase three and they say, no, we reject this drug. Now the sponsor has to go back and decide, do they want to redo the trial? So when, they, when the FDA gives their complete response letter, right, they either give it up or they go redo a trial or redesign a trial focus on have a different emphasis um maybe design it differently sometimes the sponsors say you know what we're not going to do that so we're just gonna give it up and in those cases they won't publish the results well, um that is true um and it's in a way it's because they've kind of given up on that at least for that particular time they've given up on that idea and you kind of have to look at it from their perspective too why would they want to give their competitors increased info? You know, so not not that I agree with them, but you have to put yourself in their shoes too. Like there's no real incentive for them to do that. And I know FDA can find sponsors for not publishing results, but they haven't been enforcing that. That's the most interesting thing of all. They haven't been enforcing that. The NIH used to run clinicaltrials.gov. The FDA does now. They're not really enforcing it. So not only is a huge amount of the information about our medicines missing, the information that is there doesn't necessarily give a true picture. It's biased. When I tell people this, that it's more than likely the trials which show that medicine is dangerous and doesn't work are kept hidden, they ask me, well, does it matter if a medicine doesn't work? It doesn't matter if the trial isn't published. But that's what happened in the cases of Lorcanide and Tamiflu earlier. When those trials aren't published, we're at risk of wasting money and hurting people. We need the results from all of those trials to be made available. How did we get into this situation where... By the way, I agree with her. We do need that. But who is she talking to? You know, is she talking to regulators? Is she trying to appeal to sponsors? Um, I think... The regulators have to, if they want to get serious about this, they got to enforce this. But at the end of the day, I'm working in the industry. I see how strict it is. The FDA is strict. More often than not, drugs never make it from phase two to phase three. And then from those that do, more often than not, those drugs don't get approved in phase three. Right? Or at least not on the first iteration. They have to go back, design the trials, do it again. So by the time they do reach the market, I mean, of course, mistakes happen. FDAs, they're overworked. They can overlook things. The Alzheimer's, uh, Biogen came out in the summer with the monoclonal antibody for Alzheimer's. It had very little efficacy, but the FDA still approved it based on the safety profile. So then it was boiled down to payers. Are the payers going to pay for something that may not work? 
may or may not work. The data doesn't. The data was not conclusive, and the FDA still approved it. And they caught a lot of controversy about that. You guys can read about that. If just Google Biogen FDA Alzheimer's approval. Our information is being withheld. That means we are wasting money and we are hurting people. When I tell people that this is what's happening, they almost always ask me back, "Isn't there a law against this?" And the answer to that is sort of yes, but in reality, no. There isn't. There is a piece of law in the United States which says that for some particular trials that happen in America, they should be put on a register and report results within a year of the end of the trial. Yeah, that's the one I'm talking. That's ClangoTrials.gov, and yes, she's she's right about that. I'm not. I can't comment on how they do in other countries, but on ClangoTrials.gov, yes. That law has existed since 2000. And let's not forget, like, I'm not pro-pharma by any stretch of the imagination, but, you know, I'm somewhere in the middle on this argument because I can see both perspectives. Let's not forget Big Pharma is the biggest lobbyists in this country, so they do have an influence over what laws get passed. An eight. Yet, in 2015, when researchers looked at those particular trials in the States, they found that only about 20% had actually reported results within a year. That is only one out of five trials were following the law. Four out of five trials were breaking the law. Yet no one has ever been fined. There's going to be a law like this in Europe soon when the new clinical trials regulation comes into force in 2018. But where the laws exist now, no one's following them. So will anybody follow that? You know, clinical trials are carried out by companies, by universities, by charities, by governments, for all sorts of different reasons, and they happen all around the world. There will never be a law or a set of guidelines that is enforceable across all of those. Different countries and different sectors have different practices. However, something that does seem to unite many sectors running clinical trials is the culture of secrecy that has grown up around clinical trial results. It's become the norm. In fact, it's become okay that if you get a result in a trial that you don't like, that you can put that trial into your bottom drawer, forget about it, and move on to the next thing. It's yeah, and the whole I agree with her, and the whole this the whole industry. It's not just it, it's not secrecy because they're trying to like suppress results from coming out. Everything in this industry is secrecy. Like they don't even. Before my YouTube channel, there was not even a place where you can go and look for, okay, how do I find a career in clinical research? What is a site selection visit? What is an intern an interim monitoring visit? The whole industry is shrouded in secrecy. It's not just the study results. But she's right. It's the culture. The culture in this industry is very litigious. It's very top-heavy. Like, hey, we're going to dictate exactly how it's going to happen. We're lobbyists. We're going to throw a lot of money at these problems. We're very powerful. I don't disagree with what a lot of what she's saying. It's what's being done the world over. And it's not okay. And it's got to stop. It has got to stop. So how do we fix this? Well, imagine there was a law. Imagine a brand new, strong, global law comes into force tomorrow which says that from now on, every clinical trial will be registered and results from them will be reported. Good, yeah? But that wouldn't be enough. Because the medicines we and our families use today, and will continue to use for years into the future, 
were tested than trials that happened in the past, trials that happened years ago or decades ago. And not until all the information from those old trials is made available to regulators and researchers will we be able to trust that we know everything we should about those medicines. So what yeah, but it goes even further than this. So that won't resolve it either. You're never going to get a perfect picture here. This is just the best we have it, and we should strive to continuously improve. And actually, I'm really excited about the future of blockchain and how that could potentially change this problem and a lot of other problems with decentralized autonomous organizations. Basically, you can have a group of patients crowdsource or work with a sponsor on crowdsourcing a study. I'm supposed to interview someone from a DAO, a, a decentral, decentralized autonomous organization in the gene editing space, CRISPR and all that stuff. So I'm supposed to be interviewing somebody about that because I think technology and I think decentralization is probably the answer to this. But what I was going to say about these old trials, so the like, there is no way... First of all, these protocols, and I've only worked in this industry from 2005, so I can't talk about pre-2005. But since I've been in from 2005 on, it's already these trials, even if 100% of them were published, they're basically cherry-picking patients in a majority of these trials, especially in the early phase, phase two. They're cherry-picking patients. They're not necessarily reflective of real-world patients who are going to be taking this drug if it gets approved. They're basically looking for needle in the haystacks. So, and anybody who runs a study or is a CRA or is a site owner knows there's some studies that are really tough to get patients. You hear, for example, hypertension. You say, oh, that's easy. You know, we got a lot of patients with that. Well, no, this, 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 there's like 30 exclusion criteria, which basically eliminate let's say 85% of the real world patients with hypertension and now you're left with 15% of those who have hypertension but are otherwise healthy in every other regard. It's essentially what they're looking for in these studies and it's not a perfect system but even if what she's saying does come by some magical happenstance to occur, you still have to deal with what kind of patients are we looking for to enroll in studies and yes, People are going to say, well, that's what phase four studies are for. They're post-marketing studies. But yeah, but that's after they've already been approved. So this it's not so simple as what this lady's saying. All right, It's an important issue. I think technology, I think blockchain is going to help. I think decentralization is going to help, not more regulation. I actually think decentralization will help. What to do about those old trials? Academics have known about the problem of clinical trial information missing for decades, for more than 30 years now, and not much has happened to fix that. But, and here's the good news, things are starting to change now that a lot more people are getting involved in this. Thousands of people persuaded the European Parliament to vote in the new clinical trials law. Hundreds of organizations backed the World Health Organization when they said that clinical trial results should be published. There's now a movement led by patients and by patient groups all around the world, including here in Spain, which is calling on policymakers and clinical trial sponsors to do everything they can to get that old information out there and used before it's lost from us forever. We're called all trials, and we're called all trials español. 
And we're telling everybody we can about this problem and we're asking you all to pass it on. Because not until a lot more of us know about this and are talking about this, will we be able to overturn that culture of secrecy and make it so that keeping clinical trial information hidden is no longer okay. You know, people don't quite believe me when I tell them that we're not sure that we know everything we should know about our medicines, but it is true. Now, we've got to do everything we can to get hidden information out and into the light before it's too late. Gracias. Hey, she did good. I mean, and I respect that. Maybe we should have her on the Latinos in Clinical Research. Monica, if you're watching, please try to get her on. Casey, if you're watching, try to get her on. Because I, I don't disagree with anything she said. I just think she's looking at it from more of an outsider looking in or maybe someone in academia. But if you actually work in the industry, you see these IE criteria every day. So you go from like a thousand patients, basically where they're ruling out other comorbidities. So, but in the real world, patients with this condition may have comorbidities, but it was never tested on those kind of people in the study. So it's more than just transparency but i do think there's a lot of exciting stuff in blockchain decentralized autonomous organizations that have built in bylaws and sort of allow things to happen as agreed upon before uh to where the sponsor wouldn't have a choice but to publish and study participants have a stake in it as well because they're stakeholders but there's some tokenomics involved also so I'm excited about that. Um, I think it's good what the, her organization's doing. I, I mean, I think this is how we ultimately get change. But I think it's only part of the problem that she touched on. Um, so good, great. And let me know if you guys like this video. I'll try to do more like this. If you find other videos on a clinical research you want me to react to, maybe it's a new thing I'll do. Put it in the comments. Catch you all later. Bye-bye.